Welcome to the Texas Home Improvement Super Podcast with Jim Dutton. All the best calls this week throughout the state of Texas. Brought to you by James Hardy Siding, the best siding on the planet. Charlie, this is Jim. How can I help you? Hey, Jim. Thanks for taking my call. I am in the process of redoing a bathroom in a, in a house that was built about 76 or so. And it had a, a marble tile terrazzo on it. Yeah. So... When I cut, when I tore that out and tore the underlayment out that it was set on, that floor is now about an inch, inch and a quarter below the rest of the foundation. So my question is, what do I use to build that back up? Do I just use a, a leveling compound or is there something else that goes in there? And what are you going to put for flooring? Uh, I'm going to put that vinyl planking. Okay. That snap together vinyl. Yep. Okay. So your choices, I mean, if it was a little bit thicker, I would just fill it with concrete. But when you're down to about an inch, inch and a quarter, uh, concrete doesn't hold up real good. It'll, it'll tend to chip off. But since since it's, it's going to be all encased, in other words, it's not feathered off anywhere, I think you still could get away with using just concrete, but instead of getting, uh, you know, 3,000 PSI concrete, get some of the, like, 5,000 PSI mix um, because you're just going to mix bags for this. And that the stuff that comes in the blue bags, the maximizer, would okay. fill this in just fine, and, and you'd be good to go. Okay, so that's a maximizer. Yep. It's All made right, by... Made by Quickcrete, and you can get it at the box stores. Okay, then would I need to put my leveling compound on that, or just make sure that's going? Is that going to level itself out? No, that's What's that's regular level? concrete okay. that you're going to trial out, okay. and and even if you use a leveling compound, you're still going to have to trial it out. So, okay. uh, use the maximizer. Then, if you do need to do anything else, that that would be done with the leveling compound. Okay, perfect. Okay. I guess on the bag, it tells me how much that's going to fill. Oh, yeah. Okay, perfect. Thank you, sir. You bet. You take care. Bye. You know, I, I, I always, when I go into the uh, stores and, and you're buying all this building materials, they always say, oh, you have a good day. You just sold me stuff where I'm going to be busting my butt all day long, and you're telling me to have a good day. That's where you can always tell people to take care because... It is a lot of work, what he's getting ready to do. And, uh, you know, and, and I want to be very specific on this again. Normally, I tell you two inches of concrete minimum. This concrete's going to be encased all the way around. And it's not in an area that's going to get a lot of abuse. So I think he'll be fine with that inch and a quarter and being able to uh, put down a higher strength concrete that will uh, handle the little bit of traffic that a bathroom gets. Would I tell you to do that in a garage? Absolutely not. But in a bathroom, yes. We're going to head to uh, Porter, Texas. Hello, Pam. How are you today? I'm doing well. Well, Thank how you can I help you? My call. Okay, I have um, shaker kitchen cabinets. I want to take two of those cabinets, take the doors off, and put glass inserts in there. Okay. And my husband keeps telling me I can't do it, that it just can't be done on those doors. 
so do I find new doors? Who do, who does it? Or can the can the insert just be cut out and a piece of glass put in there? Well, it, it can be done because the way the uh, wood insert is in there, there is already a, a uh, panel uh, cutout for the wood to sit in. But on uh-huh. the back side, what they would have to do is trim around it to make it work. The wood can tip out and a, new, mm-hmm. and a piece of glass go in. So, yes, it can be done, but somebody's going to have to do some detailed work on it to do it. Okay, and would that be a cabinet company? Yeah, any any company that uh, makes cabinets would be able to handle this with no problem. Oh, Even okay. a lot of handymen it, could do it. Can I just buy new doors to put on? Take the old door off and put a new door on that already absolutely. has Absolutely. You absolutely and could do that. That sounds easier. It, it does, but what, what color are they? White. Oh, that's easy then. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, that, that that's what I would do. Okay, and where? What companies? Uh, I've called a couple, and they don't seem to say they like. Even Home Depot says they don't do that. They don't have doors you can replace with. No, you're, you're again. You're going to be going to a cabinet shop in order to get that done. Oh, okay. Okay. All right. Well, that's. I think that's what I may start out with. Just trying to re- take the old door off and put a new door on. That'll work. Okay. Well, thank you so much. You bet. You take care. Let's uh, go to Huffman and Richard. How can I help you? Oh, good day to you. Yeah, you as well. Uh, I have a uh, cabin up in the Conroe area, and I want to replace the floor in it. It's old, laminates, glue down, you know, one foot squares, and it should pop up very easy. I want to go with the... Uh, snapped together vinyl uh-huh. flooring. I was wondering about putting a vapor barrier under it. Uh, not due to necessity, I don't think, but just for the feel to have it a little softer. Well, you'll need to read. With that? You'll need to read the instructions on the from the f- manufacturer of whichever floor you go with, because some of them, if you put a uh, barrier underneath, and they don't recommend it, will void the warranty on the floor. Oh, okay. Okay. Uh, so, yeah, you just just check out the installation recommendations first uh, so that you don't void any warranties on it. And I've got, like, one little low spot, so just a floor leveler will be fine. Oh, yeah. That. Yep. Yeah, that'll be just fine. Okay. Okay. I'll read the instructions. Okie doke. All right. Thank you. You have a great afternoon. All right. You too. Bye. And and that really is critical on on a lot of different flooring because uh, one manufacturer will say, uh, yes, you want a vapor barrier. Another one will say, no vapor barrier. Um, And, you know, a lot of times what it has to play with or has to do with is the fact that if you got a little cushion underneath, the way the floors lock together as you walk across and the cushion gives a little bit can undo those snap together floors. So uh, there, there's a lot that goes into it more so than just uh, the moisture. And some of the floors that do lock together that way already have a moisture 
barrier built into the floor on the bottom. It'll be a synthetic bottom inst- instead of uh, wood or, or something else along those lines. So uh, you, you just have to, like I said, go through the instructions. And this includes wood floors. Um, you know, a lot of wood floors, people put a, a cushion underneath or a vapor barrier and things like that. And some of them will recommend not to put something underneath. So always make sure you check with the man, with the manufacturer's recommendations, because like I said, you don't want to void any warranties unnecessarily. Gill in Fairview. My daughter has an old brick home in northeast Texas, recently replaced exterior doors and frames. When installing the front door frame, we found the exterior brick veneer or wall was not properly secured in that it would move when touched. Not good. We had planned on replacing windows, but are concerned about stability of exterior brick during that process. What do you recommend doing short of rebricking the house? Thanks in advance for your help. Well, it's going to depend on how severe the problem is. I mean, uh, in some cases, you can actually push on the wall and shake uh, the whole wall itself 20 30 40 feet long the whole thing will be moving the brick ties are shot or non-existent in other cases it's just real isolated and yeah it'll it'll move a you know eighth or quarter of an inch not that big a deal i wouldn't worry about that they can tie this the the bricks back in brick masons can uh with doing the work that they do back into the studs so it is repairable without tearing all the walls down. Uh, but honestly, unless it's a, a pretty severe one where the whole wall is shaking and stuff, I would go ahead and replace the windows and not worry about it. Because when you replace the windows, depending on how the windows are placed and everything, you know, how far apart and that, that will help stiffen up the wall again. Because after the windows are replaced, they get caulked. It seals everything tight again against the window frame and helps minimize that shaking as well. Everything you do that re-anchors it will help. Just a reminder, it's a huge help if you subscribe to, rate, and review the podcast. It helps people find us. Tom, how can I help you? Oh, yeah, Dan, long time listener, first time caller. Thank you, sir. uh, Had a question about uh, these uh, MERV, MERV, air filters. From April Air, there I don't have any experience with them, and I can't find anybody that's used them. And I'm just wondering if you have. I have. I've, I've actually serviced them and such. Um, they're they're good systems. Uh, you know, it's it's a if you have somebody in the house who has allergies or something like that, uh, these are the way to go because it filters out smaller particles than regular filtration systems do. So it's it's really just a, a higher end filtration system. Uh, it's it's uh, a lot of hospitals and stuff use them as well. Okay, yeah, I've got a wife that has a lot of allergy problems. She would love it. Okay, well we'll go ahead and invest in it then. All righty, well, you take care. You do the same. Uh, let's head out to Will's Point. Hello, Gwen. How are you today? I'm doing great today. How are you, Jim? I am doing wonderful. 
That is terrific. Have a couple of questions regarding an HVAC unit. Ours is about 18 years old. We will be needing to replace it. Uh-huh. I heard you mention uh, last week that the 14,000 Sears would no longer be available after January 1st. Correct. Is they're going to, okay. uh, the feds are doing away with it. Okay. And my question, uh, one of a couple questions. What's the cost difference between a fourteen thousand and a fifteen thousand? As well as, is there a major efficiency difference? You know, there's not a huge cost difference between a fourteen sear and a fifteen sear, uh, but it, it is a little bit more expensive, um, and and it is a little bit more energy efficient. I will tell you, I replaced my system. Uh, I don't know, six eight months ago. And mm-hmm. I actually went with an 18 sear because when you start oh, looking okay. at at the cost of the unit versus the energy consumption, uh, that's where the sweet spot was. And by that, I mean I'm going to save enough on my energy bill to justify the, the little bit of extra cost for the unit And because I don't plan on going anywhere. For me, it, it made sense to go with the 18 sear. If you're going to sell a house, hey, then you put in the 15 sear and, and you're done with it. But if it's a place you're going to be staying in, you may want to consider going up 16, 18, uh, and, and get something a little more energy efficient and, and uh, something that's going to last for you. Okay. Well, that makes perfect sense. We're uh, senior citizens and retired, and um, I don't really have a clue how much a unit would cost. Um, 2,600 square foot home, single story. You more than likely, twenty. you have just one AC system? Correct. Okay, so more than likely, that's going to be a five-ton system. Uh, could be a little less, depending on how your insulation and, and windows and stuff are, but let's just go with the assumption it's a five-ton system. Uh, right now, in today's environment... It'll depend on, you know, if ductwork's got to be redone or not, uh, some things like that. But sure. you are probably going to be in anywhere from twelve five to 18000 Okay. Well, that's exactly what we were needing to know. And I appreciate your show and your expertise and hope you have a wonderful weekend. Now, can I get you? I, I'm going to throw out a couple other little options for you on this. Oh, sure. Please do. Okay, when you start looking at systems, uh, there's some mm-hmm. other things that are changing as well. They're they're starting to mess with the coolants again. Uh, you know, some of the companies like American Standard are sticking with the 410A. Uh, some of the other companies are coming out with their own proprietary type coolant. Mm. I personally, at this point, would would recommend staying away from these uh, proprietary type coolants. So if somebody sure. comes out and tells you, um that uh, this is a coolant that only Carrier uses, and I'm just throwing out a name is all. Uh, mm-hmm. I, I personally would tend to shy away from it because what you're going to find is not everybody's going to want to carry seven different types of coolants on their truck for all these different systems. Mm-hmm. And they're, they're going to want to stay with ones that are more generic. Um, the other thing is... Take a look at the variable speed systems. And again, this goes back to the energy efficiency. What costs more than anything 
is starting the unit and stopping the unit. Uh, that's hard on the on the unit, and it draws a lot of power. These variable speeds, they come on and they stay on a long time, but at very low energy consumption. It's basically keeping the air circulated and maintains temperature control and humidity control much better than a single speed type system does. Yes, it's going to cost mm-hmm. a little bit more, but your comfort level is way better with those. So just a, a couple other items that I would look at when you're getting ready to take a look at getting a system. All right. Thank you so much. We will definitely look at the variable speeds and and look out for the proprietary coolants. Yep. You take care. Let's go to Grand Prairie. Hello, Tom. Hello, Jim. How's it going today? Wonderful. How about you? Uh, I'm doing. I'm doing great. I am looking at building. I mean, I'm I'm in the process of building a metal carport. Okay. And I'm looking at the insulation that I know I'm going to need in the roof because it has a metal roof, and I don't want it to be an oven under there. But and I've. I've, I've, I'm thinking back into the demonstrations that I've seen with Radiant Barrier mm-hmm. and also looking at uh, maybe getting the, the, the decking with the Radiant Barrier on or something. And the, the demonstrations that I've seen um, are never in the configuration of the way a building would be constructed. It's always got the Radiant Barrier directly in, in line with the, with the light. And then, right. and then the thermometer is on the other side of the light. But the, the construction always has the layer of roofing and maybe decking and all, maybe a, a insulation layer and all kinds of things that are in between the light, uh, the radiant source, and uh-huh. the and and the and the barrier. Uh, do you know if there's? I know, and I know that there that that uh, the, the government um, gives maybe a ten to fifteen percent. Um, efficiency on radiant barrier. They're they're published um, uh, data, but do you know that, it, that that if there's really any any science to it? Because it that just doesn't seem like if you're in the shade that you're you're basically cut out all the radiant and you're just left with the convection heat to to deal with. Well, it stops the heat transfer itself. Now. Different radiant barriers are different, though. Um, you know, if you use a single ply, for instance, it's got to have a dead air space in order to work. If you use a multi-layer system with a thermal break in it, uh, it can be sandwiched in between materials. But without question, uh, radiant barriers absolutely work and work great. I mean, I have one in my house that I've had in it now for 18 years, and... Uh, I don't even have insulation in a good share of my house. Uh-huh. So it makes a huge difference. Now, this carport that you're building, what are you building it out of uh, wood with shingles on top and everything? No, it's all metal. Okay. Uh, flat turrets are going to be pitched. It pitched. Okay. So you could actually use the radiant barrier instead of insulation. In fact, I would recommend it. And, and I'll tell you why. Insulation gives you an R value. And basically what that is is a resistance value. The higher the number, the longer it takes heat to transfer through the insulation. And once it heats up the insulation, it takes a long time for it to dissipate the heat again. 
And that's the reason typically you don't use insulation in unair conditioned space. In unair conditioned space, the radiant barrier will do a much better job for you because it blocks the heat transfer and the minute that the the there is no heat, it stops. I mean it it's it there is no uh long-term effect of, of reducing the heat and stuff uh and really you kind of said it a second ago about the shade tree a radiant barrier is very similar to just plain being under a shade tree that's really what it does i'll tell you uh, in a garage for instance i recommend people all the time metal buildings garages stuff like that use a radiant barrier and it'll typically make about a 15 degree difference underneath or in the shop or garage or whatever um if you put insulation in there once the insulation heats up not only does it get hot in in that space but well after dark it'll stay hot as that's still releasing that heat so for what you're describing that you're going to be doing i think a radiant barrier makes all the sense in the world and and where what kind of product would you suggest um, and where would you put it uh, if, you, if you're going to put a metal top up there, I would look at the, the product that I've used and use at my house here is Energy Q Radiant Barrier. And uh, you can call them at 1 800 900 6220. They're actually out of Colleyville. Uh, or you can just go to energy, the letter Q.com is their website. And that one you could put directly under the metal roof. And so, you know, build your framework, put the energy cue down, and then put your sheet metal over it. Okay, well, and, and that it, it, that has enough support to not have to put, like, a mesh underneath it? Yes. If, you, if you're putting it on top of the, the bracing like that, yes. Okay. Like three, three or four feet between spans? Yeah, I've I've got it in in my shop buildings, and it works it works great that way. Okay, when you were talking about your own house, is your radiant barrier on your attic floor, or is it on your rafters? On mine, I have a I use the uh, Tech Shield plywood, so I have the single ply up there, and then I did put the Energy Q on the attic floor. You know, they, they always talk about how it, it blocks the radiant heat, but it, it blocks just heat, period. And I'm not sure why they always talk about, okay. about it as a, being a, yeah. a radiant heat blocker, because it does more than that. And, and that's, a, that's a several ply uh, product you're saying? It's got some Correct. quilting in it? Yes, it's, it's got a mesh in between the layers, so you can't tear it or anything. You can walk on it, actually, and... Uh, it, it works great. Okay. Think, thinking ahead to a, a, a house that I'm going to be remodeling and putting a metal roof on there as well, uh, over a plywood deck, would you put radiant barrier uh, decking on down face down with with the foil side down, and then uh, and then some kind of a mesh to to, to give yourself to give yourself some uh, some ventilation. Or what? What would you put in there? And what? And one part of the house does a cathedral ceiling. Well, in the cathedral ceiling, I would put the energy cue 
on top of the roof rafters and then my roofing material on top of the energy queue. On the rest of the house, I would use the decking that has the radiant barrier like tech shield and then lay the radiant the energy queue radiant barrier on the attic floor. So I have the, the double layer. That's what I did on my own house. And then for attic ventilation, I used ridge vents and continuous soffit vents on the on the house. Sure. Okay. And, and what's what's the minimum pitch that a, that a ridge vent will work? Uh, if you can put shingles on it, you can put a ridge vent on it. Okay. There, there's enough of an updraft if you have any pitch at all. Yes. Okay. Hot air, hot air rises. All right, great. Thank you so much for your for your uh, advice and 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 for for your show. Oh, my pleasure. Now I, I will tell you one other thing on on the radiant barriers. I had a guy who years ago he had listened to the show, and he built a house out in uh, east or west Texas, and he put absolutely no insulation in the house. He did a layer of that radiant barrier behind the exterior wall a second layer behind the interior wall he built a i think he told me it was 1500 square feet and only has an 80 dollar electric bill no insulation in it at all and he used the energy q product yes sir wow uh-huh and he did no no problem so far with any condensation. No, oh no, because it's it's perforated to, to where it can breathe, so you you won't have that issue. And so he uses it on the inside. He, he's insulating all from the inside. There's no there's no outside insulation. No insulation at all. Insulation. Yeah. Okay. Yes. Right. Okay. Wow. That's that's a great testimony. Yeah. You have a great afternoon. Thanks. You too, Jim. Bug killer paint. Hello, Jim. My question is regarding poison to put in paint to deter insects. I live on the water here in Collegeport, Texas. Dirt daubers, spiders, etc. are making nests in my porches, gables, etc. I'm going to have item areas painted soon. My question is, is there a chemical that you recommend to add to the paint that after the paint is applied that will kill or detour insects? If so, what kind of chemical and how long of a residual does it last? I got to tell you, that I really found that interesting, but I see no reason why you, they shouldn't be able to do something like that. But honestly, I don't know of any chemicals to put in the paint for insects. Uh, I, there's stuff for mold inhibitors and, and stuff like that, but I've never... Never heard of one for insects. Now, what I have heard and seen is the color of paint can make a huge difference on the insects. A light sky blue, like a pale blue, uh, typically keeps the insects from wanting to build underneath there because they're in there and, and it makes them feel like they're out in the open sky. So... uh you know, you may want to consider just what color you paint. And that's one of the reasons you see all these uh, colors like that uh, on beach homes and lake homes and, and stuff to, in order to detour the bugs. Now, the other thing is, 
and I again I this is one I've never tried myself, but people swear that if you hang a, a bottle of water or a bag of water in an area, it'll detour the bugs from coming. I don't know why. Got no idea how it works. I just know there's a lot of people who swear by that. Uh, so that may be another option for you. But as far as something to mix in the paint, uh, truthfully, I don't know of anything that does that. Keith in West Houston, how can I help you? Let me have a question here. In our old house, we on the dryer, it was a horizontal exhaust and we never had any problem. We bought a new house which has a vertical uh, exhaust system and our new we bought one of the new tire dryers and it keeps giving me uh, there's a mode on there that talks about uh, it indicates that there's a flow problem so we continue that that indicator come on so what I did is I pulled the dryer out and I vacuumed inside the part that I could get to but it goes horizontally and then it goes vertical straight up the wall right and I was wondering if that is that a common problem it's not a common problem, but uh, it is a common way that they that they run dryer vents is straight up that way. Um, mm-hmm. One thing that can make a big difference is on on you know the the flex tube that you put on the back side of the dryer to hook up to the the wall mount. Yes. Watch it; you don't get too many S curves in that. Yeah, I, you know, originally when I started getting that, I, I cut it. Uh, so that we didn't have a lot of S curves in it. Uh, and basically, I just kind of have one curve in there right now. Okay. And I'm still getting the, the dryer gives us that indication all the time. How is, is it going up uh, two stories or is it just going up one floor and it's going straight out the roof or does it make a bend up in the attic? Yeah, yeah it, it uh, just goes straight up, just one story. Okay. And then is it going through the roof, or does it turn and go out? It goes straight up to the roof. Okay. The only thing I could that I could suggest does it do it on every site uh, every time you're running the dryer? Most of the time. Okay. Here's what I want you to try. I, I don't want dryers being dumped into the attic, but I want to test something. Up in the attic, you're going to see that those pipes are in sections, so it should be able to be pulled apart. Mm-hmm. Pull it apart, run the dryer, and see if it if it still gives you that signal. Because if it doesn't, you could add a booster fan in there, which would help push the air on up and out. And that would probably oh. take care of it. Uh, but if it's still tripping, then I think we got a different problem. Okay. Good. I've never heard of a booster being put in there, but I think that's. I'll do exactly that. And if I am so, then where where that can I get a booster? A company come in and put a booster for me. You, you would uh, actually have to contact an appliance store that does uh, um, installations. Uh, now, typically, mm-hmm. you know, the vents are typically done by AC companies, so they can they could hook a booster fan in in that duct for you. Where yeah, okay, West great. Houston. If nobody else can do it, call call Do West Air Conditioning. Uh, that's my company, and tell them that we talked, and I'll I'll get one of the guys to put it in. I appreciate it. You bet, Keith. You take care. No, thank you. Bye bye. Hey, Keith. One one just one quick thing. 
don't be doing a bunch yep. of laundry and dumping that air in the attic because it, it will mess up your insulation and everything. We just want to test it and see if it's going to trip with that is all. So you know, run good. a couple cycles, but don't you know don't leave it that way for a month or two because it, it will make a mess up there. I appreciate it. Thank you so uh, much. You bet. Take care. And you know, it, and it's not just the the lint and stuff it's going to put up. I can live with that. It's the moisture that it will dump into the attic that will that will ruin your insulation and such. So that's the reason I don't want you dumping at, uh, air into the attic from your dryers. It, that moist air is just horrible for the attic. Uh, but in sometimes, in some cases, you just have to have that booster fan to get it going the rest of the way. And let's see, we're going to head to Clear Lake. Randy, welcome to Texas Home Improvement. Uh, good afternoon. Thank you very much for taking my call. Appreciate uh, you calling. I, I just purchased a uh, piece of country property, and it's got a house on it that I had considered it was a teardown house. And I was just wondering if you knew anybody in the uh, Brazos Valley, Bryant College Station area, to call out to... Uh, See about leveling it. It is probably the worst job you've ever seen. It was homemade, and uh, it's worse than a fun house at a <laughs> at a amusement park. Now, when when you say leveling, you're talking about knocking it down or seeing if it can be leveled up and re- it and saved. Even even part of it salvaged. It has a beautiful roof that was put on it. I thought, well, why not see if I can just save that and either put a patio underneath. Or uh, make it a carport or something. But uh, this gentleman, apparently, anyway, everything is on the ground, basically, at this point in time. Yeah. Well, you know, and, and I'm assuming this was a crawl space home. Well, I wish I wish I could say it was a crawl space. If there is, I, I only see a couple inches under there right now. Right. Yeah, I'm, yeah, I'm talking about when it was originally built. It's not a, a slab, so... So it had to be a crawl space. And, you know, typically when when uh, you got one that's going to be totally redone that way, when they let it sink too far into the ground, the way yes, that to address them is to pull up the, sub, the flooring and the subfloor, and then the structure can actually be lifted up, new floor joists and everything put underneath, and it, it can be salvaged. As long as the walls aren't rotted out, uh, they are typically worth saving. And, yeah, even out in Bryan College Station, Due West goes out there all the time, and we can definitely take a look at it for you. Okay. So just call in the office and see about scheduling a, a time out there? Yep. Yep. We'd be more than happy to take a look at it. Well, I'd be happy to have you take a look at it, but I don't know if you'd be happy once you get there. But anyway. <laughs> <laughs> okay. No problem. I appreciate it. I'll give you guys a call. Thank you very much. Thank you, sir. Take care. Yes, sir. You've just heard the best calls and questions from Texas Home Improvement. For more information about our show, go to THIPro.com.